Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch. SV. Thank you so much and enjoy today's talk. As you sit down, I want to introduce you one of our awesome, awesome friends. And she's right from the land down under. Uh, she is a global evangelist based out of Numa Church in Melbourne, Australia. Her name is Pastor Leila Navahandi. She is, yes. Oh, I love her so much. She is on fire for God and the things of God. And I'm so excited. We're so expectant of what God has stirred it up in her heart for this community of faith. So give her a bold welcome and raise your right hand. Let's, yes, let's pray for her. Lord, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We are so thankful that your Holy Spirit is present here in this room right now, Jesus. God, I just pray for my friend right now, God, that you would fill her right now. God, open her ears, God. Allow her mind to be open, her heart to be open. I know she has a word for you, but God, we're always waiting for you to speak to us. And God, allow her to hear from you in the message. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Love you. Awesome. Thank you, Bold Church. Can we stay standing just for one moment? Just lift our hands to heaven. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, as the worship team was playing this morning, they started to sing, Lord, let this be an upper room. Something started to ignite in my spirit that this would become an upper room this morning. The upper room was the place where the the disciples and the people of God encountered the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in a way like they'd never encountered before. Miracles started to break out in the church. Healing power of God started to go forth in the city around them. And I believe in this place today that the Lord wants to make this an upper room. He wants to pour His Spirit out in this place. He wants to come and move in healing and miracles and power. And so can we lift up our hands? Can we start to pray in the Spirit? If you have a language of heaven, pray in the Spirit. And worship team, can you lead us just one more time in that chorus? Lord, let this be an upper room. I believe that faith is going to begin to stir in our hearts for what God wants to do in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's sing, let's sing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on with everything that you got. Let this be an upper room.
Yeah, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your presence in this place today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know that it's not the words or the opinions of man that can change anything in this room. But Lord, it is Your Word spoken in an atmosphere of faith under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, that can change everything in our hearts and lives today. And so Jesus, we magnify You, we glorify You. We thank You that You're here, that You're walking, You're moving in this place. Jesus, if there's anyone in this room today who's in need of a physical healing, God, I thank You that You are present to heal them. God, if there's anyone in this room today who's battling with addiction, Jesus, You are present to deliver them and to free them. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today who's feeling depressed, who's feeling feeling lost, who's feeling lonely, God, whatever they're feeling today, God, I thank You that You're the Lord who replaces it all with Your joy, Your love, Your healing and Your hope. So Lord, we just come before You this morning, God. We surrender everything to You, Lord. We come and we say, Lord, speak for Your servants are listening today, Lord. Speak to us today, Lord. We give You all the praise and we give You all the glory. In Jesus' Name, everyone said, Amen, Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Jesus, we magnify You, God. We love You, Jesus. So awesome. It's so great to see You. Thank You to our amazing worship team. Can we give it up for these guys as well? Uh, It's such an honour to be with you this morning, Bold Church. Um, Two of my favourite pastors in the whole world, Pastor This Church, Pastor Yasmin and Pastor Ali. Do you love your pastors? Yeah, they are awesome. And uh, I I love them because they are great people, but I also really have great honour and respect for them. They are two people who have not chosen an easy place to plant a church. How many know that California is a battleground in the spirit? And so I have such great honour and respect for two people who are saying, hey, Lord, if you want to do a great work in Silicon Valley, we are putting up our hands to say, God, use us. Here we are. Send us. And so I love them. I love what God is doing in this place. Uh, If we've never met before, my name is Leila Nahavandi. It's so good to see you. Last time I was here at Bold Church, you were in a completely different location. Uh, It was last year, sometime last year, like March or something, was I here? Yeah, like around March last year. So same time last year. So what's been happening with you the last year? Uh, You know, I I hope that you've been having a great year since then. Uh, If if we haven't... uh, chatted before. Um, Basically, my story is that my family got radically saved when I was five years old from a Muslim background. And so I was born into a Muslim family. Dad's Persian, mum's Irish. And uh, mum converted to Islam to marry my dad. Uh, When I was five years old, we had my auntie living with us in New Zealand. Uh, She was schizophrenic at the time. We didn't know. And so it really broke my parents up. It split up their marriage. Uh, Everything started to fall apart. But we had a church just like this one, full of people just like you, that started praying for us. And so a life group started praying for us. And they invited us to church. One of the ladies who lived down the road from, from our house uh, reached out to my mum. She shared the gospel with my mum and my mum gave her life to Jesus. Yes, praise God. 
and then um, got baptised in these people's bathtub, which is very unconventional, and uh, then ended up moving back in with my dad. My dad, my Muslim dad, uh, came along to church with my mum, had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, just saw that God was real uh, in a really powerful way and got saved, got baptised. And so I've grown up in the church ever since I was five years old. And so I just wanted to encourage you today. I know that um, Easter is coming up, as Pastor Yasmin has mentioned. And I would just encourage you, invite your neighbours, invite the people around you. You never know what God is doing in their hearts and their lives and how He is drawing them to Himself. Uh, I was at my dentist last year. And uh, it was just before I came to America for a, a trip in August, I think. And uh, I was at the dentist just quickly going to see him before I flew out to America. And as I was talking to him, he was asking me the questions, you know, the different questions that dentists ask about your life uh, while they've got their hands in your mouth and you're trying to answer their questions, you know. It's like, oh. uh, and so he starts asking me, you know, what do I do? What am I, what am I studying? I was telling him about my PhD and it's in theology and all of this sort of stuff. And as he's talking to me about, about this stuff, he's like, why would you study theology and asking about God and different things like that? And um, throughout the conversation, he asked me where I go to church. And I said, oh, I actually go to uh, Numa Church, uh, which is really weird because I live about an hour away from my church in a completely different city. And so I was in a different city and I was going to the dentist in, in my city. And I said, I go to this church called Numa Church. Uh, it's in Richmond. And he said, no way. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, like, why is that so weird? Like, do you think it's a cult? Like, what have you heard about Numa Church? And he's like, no way. I live a suburb over from that church. Remember, we're an hour away from where my church is. I live a suburb away from that church. I walked past the doors of that church on Sunday. It's now Wednesday. He said, I walked past the doors of that church on Sunday with my friend. And as we were looking in the windows, we were trying to work out what was going on in there. We were reading the signs. We went to get, you know, Vietnamese rolls from the, the, the road down, down the road. And we were looking in it. And we were wondering what was going on in there. And he said, do you reckon that's a coincidence? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, before I could say another word, he says, do you think I could come to your church on Sunday? And I was like, oh, let me think about that. Yes, of course, like no worries. But I was going to America. So I was flying out. He messages me on Sunday. I'm on my way to America. I message all my friends at church. I'm like, can you look after my friend? It's my dentist. You know, he doesn't know Jesus. And um, he comes along to the service and gets saved. God changes his life. He starts to join a life group, comes to the life group. Now he, then we had a prayer service one night. He was praying for our senior pastor. I'm like, what the heck is going on? He's now on our worship team at my church playing guitar a year later or six months later. God has radically changed his life. You never know what God is doing in someone's heart and someone's spirit. And God has put you there and placed you in their lives to sow that seed, to invite them, to take those door hangers and believe that the anointing of God is going to be on those things to draw them to salvation, to draw them to what God is doing in their life. And so I'm really excited about what God wants to do uh, in this church and over Easter. Um, I've got my friend Amy with me down the front here. Um, Amy, yeah, let's give it up for her. She, 
<laughs> she, she is from Australia as well. And uh, we have a, a team that has moved over to San Francisco. They're planting a church in the heart of San Francisco. So pray for them. You know, they're right in the middle of it all. And uh, she, she wanted to come and, and hang with all of you beautiful people today. Um, so God is moving in our church in Australia um, be, when I got back to Australia in August, revival really started to break out in our church in a powerful way. Just the glory of God, the presence of God fell in our church in, in, in a way like we hadn't experienced or encountered before. I've studied um, revivals for my master's program and I started to see before my very eyes the things that I had read about in the revivals of John Wesley and the Great Awakenings. We saw hundreds of people just falling to their knees at the altar, just crying out to God just in anguish over their sin and saying, God, I want to be holy like you are holy. Just this deep repentance, this return to first love. And since then, we've seen incredible miracles break out in our church. Um, we saw um, 12 people healed of cancer. Uh, with Yeah, praise God for that. In the space of about four months, one young man's like 14 years old, terminally ill. The doctors told him they couldn't do anything. They couldn't even give him any more medication. And God radically healed him. God healed all of these other 12 people from cancer. Verifiably, we had one lady who had an S-shape in her spine, whatever that scoliosis, and her neck was about three centimetres to the side. And um, she just believed for healing. She was in a, a service, got prayed for, and the Lord radically healed her. She went back and got a scan done and her spine was completely straight. Her neck was no longer three centimetres off centre. And so, yeah, let's praise God for that. We serve a God of miracles. And I believe in your, if you're in this place today, whatever your need is, big or small, whatever the pain that you're in, whatever healing you need, I believe that He is here and He is present to heal you. These aren't just some nice words or some corny phrases that we use when we come into church. If you walked into the hospital and, and you know, the nurse said, hey, we'd love to treat you, but they never actually demonstrated the, the healing and they never actually gave you medication and they never actually bandaged up your wound, you'd be like, hey, there's a disconnect here. Well, when we walk into the church, it shouldn't just be the words that we speak of healing. We should be seeing the demonstrated power of the Holy Spirit at work in our midst. And so I believe if you're in this room today, you need healing. God can heal you. I was just at a meeting in Springfield a, a few days ago um, with Pastor Randy Clark and Pastor Bill Johnson. And give me a wave if you've heard of them. Great healing ministries. And um, saw some miracles like I've never seen before in my life at a church called James River, massive uh, Pentecostal church over there in Springfield. And uh, one incredible miracle that we saw, there was hundreds of miracles throughout the week, but one incredible miracle that I've never experienced before in my life, this lady had three toes that had been amputated. And uh, as she was being prayed for on the prayer line, her toes began to grow back. And isn't that crazy? We have a God of creative miracles. And that as they were praying, they said, you know, um, the skin just started to change colour. Sorry, this is gross for like 10 a.m. in the morning. But the skin began to change colour and then there was a pulse there and then the flesh grew out and then bones and toenails. And so it was just amazing what God did. 
but we actually serve a God of miracles and he wants to move in great power in our churches. He wants us to preach, not with just persuasive words of man, Paul says, but with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as I share these stories, I just pray that faith would begin to arise in all of our hearts to say, Lord, if you've done it there, I believe that you can do it here. Jesus is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he will do for another. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so he wants to move in our hearts and in our lives today. And so if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn with me uh, to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. I love that Pastor Ali has been preaching a series um, called The Best Way to Die. Uh, what an awesome title. I believe that, you know, these are the messages of the hour. As God's been breaking out in revival across the earth, you know, it's not just about cute sermons anymore. It's not just about, you know, fluffy words. It's actually about deep heart transformation and about boiling it down to what really, really matters in life. It's about returning to our first love. It's about coming back to what matters. And so I love um, this series and I'm going to preach into this series as well today. Um, the best way to die. I'm going to join in that theme and the title of my message is that I may know him that I may know him so from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 it says but what things were gained to me these I have counted as loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead." I believe this morning that the chief goal of our life is to know God deeply and intimately. That is the chief and ultimate goal of our lives. The most important thing about me is not my bank account. It's not my marital status. It's not my following on Instagram. It's not my life's achievements or even the impact that I make on the world. The most important thing about me is this my relationship with Jesus. It's the most important thing about me. It's the most important thing about every single person on this earth. It is a matter of life and death, but that is just the beginning. I love what it says in John chapter 15 and verse 14. It talks about the Lord inviting us into a deeper level of friendship and intimacy with Him. Jesus speaks of this and He says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I believe this morning that the Lord wants to take his church. He wants to take his people, anyone who will respond to his invitation, from being servants to being friends. 
He wants a deep and intimate friendship with you. He wants a deep and intimate friendship with me. You know, I love Pastor Yasmin and Pastor Ali. They are my friends. If they invited me over to their house, imagine if I went to their house, I showed up 7 p.m., I'm going over for dinner. How weird would it be if I stood at the door of their house like a butler and didn't come in the whole night? And I said, hi, Pastor Ali, is there anything I can do for you? And he's like, Layla, come sit down, come have dinner dinner with us. We want to hang. We want to chat. We want to laugh together. Imagine if I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm good here. Just standing at the doorway. Can I get your shoes for you? It would be like, what the heck? I'm inviting you. We want to be friends with you. We want to sit with you. We want to eat with you. We want to get to know you. But so often in the church, because of our shame or our past or our background, or because we don't think we're as holy as the pastors or the leaders or the people on the stage, we can sort of stay in a place where we're happy to be a servant of God, but we don't move past that into being friends of God. We don't respond to his invitation to say, Lord, I want to be so deep and so intimate with you. I want to know you in a way like I know no one else on this earth. God, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to cherish you in a way like I don't know anyone else. Every other pursuit in life is a dead end if it distracts us from the ultimate pursuit of knowing Jesus. I believe that the Lord is looking for a church in this hour and in this day that will make Jesus the sole pursuit of their heart and their life. It's a revival of first love that has been breaking out in the church around us. And I love this illustration that we see in John chapter 4 about a woman who is stuck in a lifestyle that is really contrary to to God's lifestyle for her. You know, she's been looking for love in all the wrong places. She's had a whole bunch of husbands. Now she's living with a man that's not her husband and she is doing her daily life. She is just living day to day. She's out to survive. She's looking for love. She's looking for hope. She's looking for peace, but she can't find it anywhere. And so she's just surviving her life. She's going to the well to grab herself some water to live another day of disappointment. And as she comes to the well that day, we see that she encounters Jesus in John chapter 4. And Jesus tells her who she really is. Jesus calls her out, but he doesn't do it in a condemning way. He does it in a loving way to say, hey, I know where you've been. I know that you've been looking for love in all of these places and you haven't found it. But I want to tell you that not only do I know you, but I want you to know me. I know you more than anyone else in this world. And I want to give you something that's going to set you free. I want to give you my love. I want to give you the water, the living water that will truly satisfy you. The Bible tells us that she drops her bucket on the ground. This bucket was the bucket that she was using to draw the water out of the well. And as she drops the bucket on the ground, it's this symbol of her dropping the buckets of this world because she's found the living water that will never run dry. She doesn't need those worldly buckets anymore. She knows that that's never going to satisfy. She has the living water. And she runs to the people around her. She runs off to her city. She becomes the, uh, one of the first evangelists and she goes to the city and she starts to say, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. What's she saying there? She's saying, come find a man who truly knows me, who truly deeply knows me. She's had five husbands. She was looking for someone who truly deeply knew her, but she didn't find it in the things of this world. 
when she had one encounter with Jesus, she found a man who truly and deeply knew her. I believe that the Lord wants to reveal his love to us today in the way that he truly and deeply knows us and wants to invite us into that deep and true uh, relationship with him. I love um, one of the, the saints from church history. Her name is Teresa of Avila. And she had this really deep relationship with Jesus, this beautiful relationship with him where she was sort of like this woman at the well who knew Jesus' love for her. And she just loved Jesus in such a deep and intimate way. And she says that she had this encounter one day with someone um, and they come up to her and they ask her, excuse me, who are you? And she responds to the person who asked her. She says, I am Teresa of Jesus. And as she says, I am Teresa of Jesus, the person responded back to her and said, oh, I am Jesus of Teresa. And it's just this beautiful picture, this beautiful encounter where we see how the love of the Lord can actually change everything about us. We can be truly found in Him. We can be known by our relationship with Him and for Him. Over the last sort of couple of months, I've really gone on this deep um, journey of encounter with the Lord, uh, where He has just totally changed my heart, changed my life, transformed me in a way like never, never before. And the only way that I can describe it, sort of to summarize what God has been doing in my life, is that I truly can relate with what Teresa of Avila says when I, I would say, I am Layla of Jesus. That is who I am. He defines everything about me. That is the closeness and the intimacy of our relationship. And I believe today that the Lord wants you to know Him and be known by Him in such a deep and intimate way as well. I believe that God wants to release encounters like that in this room today. You know, when we speak of testimonies, when we share testimonies, it's not just to inform you of what has happened in someone else's life or of what God has been doing in Springfield or in my life. It's actually putting it out there that God wants to do it again in your life. God is no respecter of persons. You can say, hey, God, I want a relationship like that. God, do it in me. If you've done it for her, I know that you can do it for me. God, I want to know you like Teresa of Avila knew you. I want to encounter you like the woman at the well encountered you. I want it to change me in a moment of time. I want to drop my buckets. I don't want to uh, keep going to the empty wells of the world. I want to be deeply satisfied in you. When we share these stories. We're saying, God, do it again in me. God, release the faith in this room for you to do it in me. God, I want to know you in such a powerful, deep and intimate way. You know, as I was coming over uh, to America, uh, revival had been breaking out in our church and the Asbury revival was going on in Kentucky as well. And, you know, God is just stirring something up in the body of Christ around the world. It's incredible what God's doing. And so I came to America and I was like, God, I want you to do something in my life. Like, I know that there's so much more, but I don't know how to get it. I don't know, I don't know what to do to get there. You know, I know that there's more, but Lord, I need to know the pathway. I need you to show me. I need you to be my GPS, like take me there. I'm, I'm hopeless at getting there. And I was just praying and I was saying, Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to encounter you in a deep way. You know, sometimes 
We can get in a space, even in ministry, and, and everyone in ministry would know this here, you know, where you're just going through the motions, going through the routines. God can be doing great things. You can be in church. Everything's going good. Um, but you sort of reach this sort of like plateau. And I believe that Jesus never wants it to be like that. He always wants us to have that first love, that honeymoon phase in our relationship with him. He wants us to be so deeply and intimately in love with him. And so I was just praying, God, lead me, give me encounters with you. And so I got to America, and uh, if anyone knows my story from last time, the way I got baptized in the Holy Spirit was through laying my hands on a TV screen and praying for with Benny Hinn, and Benny Hinn prayed for baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in tongues for the first time as a six-year-old kid. And so I was in Orlando, Florida um, a few weeks ago. And I went to a Benny Hinn meeting with some of my friends and I was really saying, you know, Lord, I want to encounter you and we're just in the worship. And they started to sing, you know, songs about Jesus and just magnifying Jesus. And Pastor Benny's just up there leading the worship. And as they're leading the worship, the glory of God filled that room in such a powerful way. And the, the, the glory of God just pierced my heart in a way like I've never encountered before. It's like, the only way I could describe it is a Holy Ghost heart attack. Like I had this Holy Ghost heart attack and it was like the glory of God, the love of God started to just fill my heart in a way like I never ever experienced before to to the point where I was like, I don't think I could handle any more of what's happening right now because like I feel like I'm going to die. Like it's just like so overwhelming, the power of God in my heart. And I just had such a powerful, profound encounter with the love of Jesus. Then a few days later, I was at uh, Jesus Image um, School and um, uh, we were just in the altar call and Pastor Haley Braun, if you know her, I know Pastor Yaz knows her, um, from Bethel Church was ministering that day at the school. And so I was just sitting there and we're in the altar call. And as we're in the altar call, I'm just worshiping the Lord. And uh, Pastor Michael Koulianos just calls me over. He's like, Layla, Layla, come here. I was like, okay. <laughs> so he, you know, when Pastor Mike, if you know Pastor Michael Cooliados, he's intense. You're like, yes, whatever you want, Pastor Michael, no worries, I'm coming. And so I, I come over and he's like, the Lord just gave me a vision of you and um, what he's called you to do. And I want to pray for you. And I was like, wow, awesome, please pray. And he starts praying. And as he's praying, he just starts to pray into different areas of my life. And one thing that marked me is he started to say, Lord, give her the fear of the Lord. Give her the fear of the Lord. Give her the fear of the Lord. Nobody has ever prayed that over me. I don't know if someone's prayed that over you. Nobody is. It's not a common prayer. Give her the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. And as he was saying it, it was like the presence of the Lord just came over me so strong. Just this holy fear and reverence for God and his presence like I haven't had before. And, and I started to have this fear of God in my heart. And I was talking to some of the team there and just seeing what God is doing. He's doing a great work in that church around the fear of the Lord. And uh, Pastor Francis Chan, if anyone knows him, he's been having a great work in his heart around the fear of the Lord as well. Pastor John Bavia has just written a book called The Awe of God, and God's doing this work around the fear of the Lord. And sometimes we can think about the fear of the Lord and we can think like, okay, what's that? Like it sounds scary. It sounds bad. It doesn't sound like it would draw you closer to God. It, it sounds 
sounds like it would push you away from God. The fear that we are aware of is the fear that repels, the fear that pushes away. But the holy fear of God is a fear that draws us deeper into intimacy with Him. I never knew this before, but the fear of God is actually a gateway into deeper intimacy and friendship with the Lord. If we want to encounter God in a deep and intimate way, we need a revelation of the fear of the Lord in our lives. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Psalm 34 verse 7. Sorry, I've got a lot of scripture today, but you know, we want the Lord to speak. We don't need my words. Um, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who fears, who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. O I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14 verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, and His children will have refuge. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. But here's the big one that makes the connection between the fear of the Lord and intimacy with God. Psalm chapter 25 and verse 14 says this, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Isn't that incredible? I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, it's like my mind just exploded. I was like, whoa, I've never seen this before. The fear of the Lord is for those, no, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Fear of God is the gateway and the pathway to friendship, deep friendship and deep intimacy with God. When we talk about fear of the Lord, we're talking about a deep awe and honour and respect and reverence for who He is. That draws us deeper into the presence of God, into intimacy with Him. I love um, all the people throughout history that seem to have this incredible friendship, this deep intimacy with God. It seems like those people who have that closeness with the Lord and that deep intimacy and friendship with the Lord really see His power and His glory in a way like others don't. They carry His anointing in a powerful, powerful way and His manifest presence in an incredible way. Um, I love a passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11 that we'll read in just a moment about Moses' friendship with God and how it led him to being a carrier of the anointing and the presence of God, of the power of God in a really incredible way. When we read about the biblical concepts and different things in the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit that actually makes those experienced realities in our lives. And we know that God is present everywhere that He is omnipresent, that means God is everywhere. But there is also a manifest presence of God that is somewhere. There's this direct presence of God that is holy and powerful and potent that you can feel and you can experience and that brings healing and breakthrough to people's lives. 
And I, I love how Pastor Bill Johnson says it. He says, God is everywhere, but God is also somewhere. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the somewhere where God's manifest power and presence resides. I want God's presence to be felt and known in such a powerful way. The difference is sort of like the difference between a light globe that just lights up a room and a laser beam that can cut through metal. It's the same substance, but one is so much more direct and potent and powerful. And I believe that God wants to take his church from just the light, the the omnipresence of God to this potent, manifest, direct presence of God that has the ability to change things in a powerful way. In Exodus chapter 33, it says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know Um, whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. You have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the other people on the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said this, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. We know after this encounter that Moses has the most powerful encounter with the presence and the glory of God that he has ever had. And God starts to encounter him in a new way, in a fresh way. We see here that there is a difference between the people of God and being the people of God and being a friend of God. There is a distinct difference between the two. Psalm 103 describes this difference, especially in the life of Moses. Psalm 103 and verse 7, it says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Friends of God know his ways, not just his works. See, the people of Israel, they knew the works of God. They saw the miraculous things that God did, but it was almost from a distance in their life. Moses had this deep friendship where he not only saw the acts of God, but he knew the ways of God. He said, Lord, teach me your ways. He knew the Lord in a deeper and more intimate way than all of the people in Israel. We see this again in the New Testament, that the crowd followed Jesus and the crowd experienced his miracles. They ate of the bread. They encountered, you know, the healings and all these sorts of things. But his disciples knew his ways. His disciples knew his heartbeat. His disciples were able to sit with him and fellowship with him in a way like the crowd wasn't able to. John chapter 15 and verse 14 again, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known 
to you. Now, this doesn't mean that we're no longer servants of God and we're like, yeah, God, you just do whatever you want. I don't serve you anymore. It's, it's that we're not only servants of God. We're now lovers of God. We're now deep friends of God. You know, a husband and a wife, this marriage relationship is one of the deepest forms of intimacy and expressions of intimacy we see on the face of this earth. How weird would it be if they were like, yes, I love you, you're my best friend, but they never served each other. If you never serve your husband and you never serve your wife, there is something wrong. But you're not just servants of one another, you are lovers of each other, you are best friends. And so in the same way as we are friends of God. We don't stop being servants of God. It's just that we have entered into a new level of intimacy and friendship and depth with the Lord. We have this greater expression of intimacy with Him. So how do we fear the Lord? Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1 says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How do we fear the Lord? We simply walk in obedience to Him. We simply have a deep awe and reverence for Him. We have a great respect and honour for Him and for His presence. Maybe if the worship team could join me. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I believe that the fear of man is being broken in this revival that is being um, blown out all over the earth, this revival that is just covering the world at the moment. The Lord is breaking the fear of man off people. He's breaking the fear of man. But guess what? It's not enough just to break the fear of man. The fear of man needs to be replaced with the fear of God. If we want to see great experiences, if we want to know God in a deep and intimate way, if we want to see His glory, we need to replace the fear of man with the fear of God in our lives. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see your face, Lord. I want to see your face, Lord. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah sees the Lord says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood seraphim, each had six wings. With two He covered His face, with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in amongst people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the one of the seraphim. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal, and he took with tongs taken from the altar this coal 
And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. In this passage of Scripture, Isaiah has this encounter where he sees the Lord. He encounters God in a, in a truly deep way, in an intimate way. And as he does, the fear of the Lord comes upon him. He's aware that, hey, he is a man of unclean lips. He wants to have no impurity in him, but he knows he can't do it on his own. He says, God, I need you. God, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God comes and he purifies him. He gives him the fear of the Lord. And then he commissions him to go and do what he has called him to do. I believe as we encounter the fear of the Lord, we encounter the glory of the Lord and we carry the purpose and the glory of the Lord in a way like we haven't before. As God was moving in this way, in um, this powerful way across the earth, I just felt the Lord just shared with me what He's been doing in the church and I was just praying one day and he showed me this picture. He took me back to seventh grade uh, science class and, and he showed me this picture of a Bunsen burner. I don't know, do you have Bunsen burners here? They're like, yeah, some of you are like nodding. Yeah, so it's like this burner that you use in science class that's like a flame and it has what's called a safety flame on it. And the safety flame doesn't really do much. It's not going to really burn you. It's not going to give you like, you know, bad burns and stuff. It's just a, a mild flame. But you can turn it around, put more oxygen into it, I think. Don't quote me on the science of it, but I think it's the oxygen. And then it turns into this blue flame, this potent flame. And that's a dangerous flame. That's a flame that can burn you. And I felt like the Lord said, Layla, over the past few decades, my church has been experiencing the safety flame of my presence. My church has been encountering this, this veiled presence, this veiled glory. I haven't been able to move in great power. It's been the safety flame of my presence because, hey, with the potent, direct, powerful presence of God, we need to have the fear of God. Otherwise, it's going to take us out. In the Old Testament, people tried to touch the presence of God. People tried to touch the glory of God. And because it was so powerful, the manifest presence of God came and struck them dead. And just before we go on thinking that this is only an Old Testament thing, in the New Testament, in the New Testament church, we see Ananias and Sapphira. They come into the presence of God and they lie in front of the Holy Spirit. And as they lie in there, they are struck dead and someone drags them out of the church that day. In the New Testament church, why? Because there was such a potent, manifest presence of God that cannot be messed with. It cannot be played with. We cannot treat it casually. If we want to say in this day, in this hour, God, show me your glory. If we want to be friends of God, if we want to know Him in a deeply intimate way, if we want to see His manifest presence, healing people, getting people up out of wheelchairs, seeing spines made straight, seeing amputated toes grow out, then we need the fear we need to say, God, make me holy as you are holy. God, give me the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the gateway 
to friendship with God. God is looking for people who would say, God, I wanna burn for you. God, I wanna burn for you. Can we stand to our feet, church, and just close our eyes? I believe this morning that God is looking for a people. He's inviting a people to be deep and intimate friends with Him. He's giving us that invitation. He's saying, hey, I no longer wanna just call you servants. I wanna call you friends. And I believe He's wanting us to say, God, show me your glory. God, I wanna burn for you. God, more of you and less of me. God, make me holy as you are holy. God, I need you. I want you. I want your presence and your glory. I don't wanna be on the safety flame of your presence. I want that deep and powerful and potent and manifest presence of God in my life. I wanna know you in a way like I've never known you before. I wanna encounter you in a way like I've never encountered you before. If you're in this room today and you would say, Layla, I wanna burn for the Lord. I want my heart to burn for Him. I want more of Him. I wanna encounter Him. Then I'm gonna invite you just to come and to fill this altar. If you wanna get on your knees before the Lord and start to cry out to God and say, God, give me the fear of the Lord. Then I want you to do that right now. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? If you wanna encounter the Lord, if you want His presence in your life, if you wanna burn for Him, yeah, just come. Just come and we'll worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to follow us on social media and just stay up to our current events, our social media handle is Bold Church SV. That's Bold Church SV for Silicon Valley. We hope you stay blessed and we'll see you soon. Thank you.